John Sandig, and you're listening to the Hot Tag Podcast. This is the Hogan, and you're listening to the Hot Tag Podcast. This is Schlack on the Hot Tag, and just remember, you mess with fire, and you get fucking burned. I'm Sick Nick Mondo, and this is THT Podcast. This is the Bulldozer Night Tremont. I just tagged into the Hot Tag. This is Gabe Sapolsky on the THT Podcast. This is the bad boy, Joey Janela, and you're listening to the THT Podcast. Welcome to Yakuza Kid Radio Hot Tag Podcast Collaboration Show Company. I'm your host, Jay Cat Morris, along with my co-host, Shaheen. What's going on, bro? What's going on, dude? I'm just uh, I'm getting ready for uh, 75 hours of wrestling this fucking month. Yeah, that's... that's uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's not something I'm planning on doing. I'm watching zero hours of wrestling. <laughs> well, I'm sure you'll watch some of it, you know, eventually. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch some of it. I'm not going to front on that. But. but we'll get into the shows in a little bit. Obviously, uh, next couple of weeks... You know, we'll preview all the shows that are upcoming. We'll talk about CZW a little bit since uh, we won't be doing a show before the CZW show happens. But uh, I guess the big uh, thing this week is Matt Tremont debuting in Japan for FMW. Mm-hmm. And uh, DJ Hyde went up there with him. Uh, thoughts on DJ Hyde going up there with him? It's, it's such bullshit. He's just, I mean, that's kind of the, the theme of DJ Hyde's career as as it were to be successful. Um, you know, before that, he was just a jobber. I mean, he was just a average dude who you can never call not green. And, um, you know, then he, he bought a company that was established. So he piggybacked off CZW that was already, you know, a reputable established company and then, you know, continued to ride that wave that that's dj's theme you know um he's done that many a times with other people in japan they went over and he just piggybacked on it and just got himself on the card too because he acted like you know he was a package deal with everyone who else actually earned their way where japan was interested in danny havoc you know 
they were interested in this guy and that guy. And then DJ would just tack himself onto the thing like, yep, I'm part of the deal. And and then he got himself on cards. No one's calling for fucking DJ Hyde. This Onita thing has been, you know, two years in the making of Matt Tremont trying to fulfill his own dreams and doing all the legwork, doing all the hype, doing all the promo, doing all drawing Onita's attention and all of that shit wasn't done by the the owner of the company it wasn't orchestrated by the guy who you would think would orchestrate it if there was to be workings between czw and fmw you would think that would come through the owners but it didn't it came through matt tremont and then swooped in like a vulture dj fucking hide and he's over there where no one wants to see him you know so classic dj yeah i was uh i was under the impression that they were going to actually have a one-on-one match because that's what i heard but uh I was corrected. So the the final night of Matt Tremont in Japan was actually a ten man tag, five on ten five, man, ten man fucking tag. <laughs> Jesus yeah, fucking dude, I didn't know they had ten guys on the fucking card, let alone in the match. I know Red Guy, the other guy, DJ. I'm out. <laughs> Pogo Son, Red Guy, Onita, probably the Panda dude. I'm guessing that didn't do shit, but uh. I don't know, man. I just, I, I thought, like, I'm fine if, if DJ went up there. I just didn't want to see him wrestle. You know what I mean? I, it's like, so at, at the at the Once in a Lifetime show with Onita, they had Danny Havoc up there in the ring with Onita. They had Ricky Shane Page in the ring with Onita. Okay, makes sense. Danny Havoc retired. Can't fly him to Japan. What about Ricky Shane Page? That's the guy that you're basically teasing to put the title on the guy in, at Cage of Death. He's a CZW guy right. now. Why the fuck wouldn't you give that guy the spot? Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's just they're not bringing over a guy who someone would want to see. And and it was just, you know, and not that anyone ever would want to see that anyway. But if you're going to involve DJ, they should have involved him in Jersey. They should have had him involved in the whole thing from the start. So it made at least sense attacking him on later. They just like. You know, he he just acted like carry-on luggage and just hopped on the fucking flight and was like, yep, me too. It's like, wait, wait, where the fuck did that come from? It's just the U.S. fans will shit on it and they won't even, you know, acknowledge him as as someone they want to see. He's not going to go down as like the face team. So, you know, he just figured he'd do it. Where Japan, they they can't really argue. They're just going to, oh, okay. Well, either way, I'm I'm really happy for Tremont, you know, because I know this meant a lot to him. Um, and they drew, you know, according to him, 2000 people at the last show, which it's, it's a decent crowd for, um, FMW nowadays, if you will. Um, yeah, and at least 2000 people, but a hundred on the card, you know, <laughs> so it's uh, 1900. Well, it's better than the acid cup, man. Acid cup had fucking 26 wrestlers and 24 fans. So <laughs> yeah. a little bit better than that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'm very happy for Tremont. You know, it was a dream of his. He went over there, legitimate explosions. I saw a bunch of, you know, actual explosions and shit. And, you know, Anita. And by any stretch of the imagination of him going over there and doing that type of thing is is enormous to him. So, you know, I could shit on it and say FMW wasn't what it used to be. Maybe the numbers are inflated. Who gives a fuck? When it comes down to it, Matt Tremont went to Japan, wrestled one of his idols. If it was an 18-man match or a one-on-one i'm sure it'd be better a one-on-one but again you know we've agreed that onita you being more of an onita fan but onita doesn't have it where he's gonna you know put on any kind of five-star match at this point 
Yeah, and I don't think it's a case of Onita trying to rip off CZW and saying, I want to work less. Just watching footage from him for the past couple of years, ever since he had the, he, he broke his you know knee, he's just been doing 10-man tag, tag matches and six-man tags. You can tell the dude can't go. He can't do a whole match. Um, or if he can, he's not confident enough to take that risk, which um, mm-hmm. it's fine. The dude's fucking 60 years old. I know he doesn't look like it, but he's fucking 60, you know? So. Yeah. And he's been, he's been, dude, he's been beating up his body since the fucking 70s, you know? A lot of people don't even realize yeah. Onita's been around since fucking, you know, 70s days. Like, when Jim Cornette was debuting, Onita was around. So just just to put it in perspective for you. Uh, dude is definitely not new. He's been doing it forever. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure it takes a toll on your body, you know? But, yeah, I'm very happy for him. Japan, I'm, I'm sure they'll have the footage out eventually. Um, you mentioned the explosions were real, which is which is always nice. It wasn't some bullshit, like, fucking, you know. It was, like, legitimate explosions. So that, that looked really nice. I was very happy about that, so. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, that's what you expected it to be in Jersey, and they kind of fucked everybody over, and, uh, you know, they got what they got. But what can you do? You got your explosions over in Japan. Hopefully they, uh, you know, get the footage laid down good, and maybe the, uh, you know, the U.S. crowd that's interested in it will be able to at least get, like, a solid DVD out of the deal. Well, I'm I'm hoping from uh from what I heard, I guess uh one of the channels that um I guess distributes the, the FMW product kind of put a kibosh to to them, you know, selling the DVDs and being able to do that. So I, I don't know. I don't really know how we're gonna be able to see this footage, but <laughs> just never, never be seen. Yeah, unless Larry Legend was up there, you know, Larry Legend, he'd fucking Facebook Live that shit, and you'd be able to see it. But uh, they'd have him fucking killed. <laughs> If he did that shit over there, they'd fucking kill him. Yeah, probably so, man. Well, dude, I mean, the mafia is, like, very much involved. You know, the Yakuza, they're involved with the fucking wrestling up there. It's, that's no joke. I remember uh, I was watching, like, a shoot interview years ago with uh, Leatherface from FMW, you know? And he would mm-hmm. basically say that what Onita would do is he would sell all the tickets to the Yakuza's, you know? And they would distribute mm. the tickets. So no matter what it was, no matter how much they drew, it was always a sold-out house to Onita because he got paid up front for the whole fucking place. You know, yeah, and they didn't fuck around like Sabu. I remember got into like a like an incident with them up there. Um, because you know, Sabu I think Jericho, and, no, it was Sabu and uh, uh, Tiger Jeet Singh. But I think Jericho had a story about the shit too where they yeah. rolled up on him. Yeah, he might have been on the tour with them. Yeah, but um, yeah, they, they mm-hmm. basically fucking just shut down the show and they were like, dude, no one's leaving. Sabu, the whole locker room was fucking held hostage. Like, you, you guys want to fuck around? You're not leaving. You're, you're fucking with the wrong gang, man. <laughs> this is Japan. This isn't fucking America. I don't give a shit about your gimmicks and all that, dude. This is this is real shit. This is when the when the wrestling stops. You know, you put your hands on a fucking gang member in in Japan that's running this show. Bad idea. Yeah. 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 But um, let's talk about this real quick. Uh, Jack Evans was supposed to come in for Hybrid Wrestling. He was supposed to go against uh, Matt Riddle. And then the following night, uh, the 28th, he was supposed to do the doubleheader with GCW and beyond. Um, he was in a triple threat with Joey Janela and Teddy Hart. Uh, apparently, he's got some passport issues. I, I, I guess he's Canadian. Um, he can't cross the border. I don't know if I don't know if his passport is expired or whatever the case may be. But they've replaced uh, Jack Evans on Hybrid with. Uh, it wasn't actually. I don't. I don't even know who they put on Hybrid. But I know on GCW, they replaced him with uh, Darby Allen. And uh, mm-hmm. Darby Allen, I mean, I'm not too familiar with the guy. I've seen a couple of his, uh, a couple of his matches through Evolve, but um, mm-hmm. that's a, he's a fucking psycho, man. He does some real fucking nutty shit over there. So I'm sure yeah. he's gonna bring it to GCW. He's probably gonna be a good fit for GCW. So 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of this dude from what I've seen. Um, you know, he did a lot of crazy spots that really caught my attention. That's why I had him on my show. Um, I really didn't have much to talk to him about because I didn't really even see like a full Darby Allen match. I just saw a couple crazy, crazy spots and was like, I, I want to talk to this fucking guy because uh, he took, you know, the he got pressed out over the ropes, you know, to the outside from the ring into a pole. You know, kind of like the hit squad fucking uh, wall spot only into a fucking pole and um, like a support beam for the roof. Um, He took that and then he took like a back body drop out of the ring. I think Dickinson did it back body dropped them outside to the out, you know, over the ropes to the outside caught like the floor and guardrail. It was like, holy shit, this dude should be dead. And it was like, yeah, well. He was uh, like an extreme skateboarder before, so like the bumps aren't a big thing to him because he's fallen off of the half pipes and all sorts of shit. And um, he was like, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, it was crazy, but, you know, not that serious to me. So I was like, wow, this dude's nuts. And I figured, like, I don't know if if that's just his deal. He's going to be a couple bump guy or whatever. But then I saw some other clips with him wrestling. Like recently he was wrestling super crazy and doing all sorts of legit shit. Um, he had another match with Janela where I saw they did a spot where Janela handcuffed him and he was doing fucking springboard moonsaults with his fucking hands cuffed. He was doing dives to the outside with his hands cuffed. So it's like, this dude's, you gotta be on point or you're dying doing that shit, you know? So I'm, I'm excited to see this dude. No, I think, I think he's going to be a perfect fit for uh, GCW. seems like he's a, he's a hired risk taker. And um, Teddy Hart, he loves flying and being innovative and doing crazy shit. So I'm sure Darby Allen, he'll he'll take a bunch of those spots. And you know, Joey likes to mm-hmm. go out there and be fucking crazy. So yeah, and uh, they got him against Gage in Allentown too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Allen. And you know what? Speaking of him, because I saw him at Evolve over the WrestleMania weekend. Um, I think he was going against Ethan Page in, like, a hardcore match or whatever. And he did a fucking crazy, nutty-ass dive from, like, the top of the ladder. Like, one of those big fucking ladders, you know, the 25-foot ones. Mm-hmm. Um, he did some crazy shit off top of that. And if you remember, the Allentown venue actually has a huge balcony inside the Game Changer. So I'm hoping yeah. – because they, they teased that spot last time with Teddy Hart. And Teddy actually – I talked to Teddy, and he said he wanted to, to, you know, go off the balcony. That was the original spot. Um, I guess he fucked up his ankle legitimately. That's, I don't know. But uh, he wasn't feeling that day. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping Gage and Allen probably go to the balcony, man. Because that balcony, like, it's going to be a fucking cool spot. Because they, they, they have many, many different angles they can shoot from that would make it look cool. And, um, you know, with Smart Mark now, with, you know, the, the HD quality and all that stuff, I'm sure they'll fucking kill it. So Yeah. Yeah, they got like the rock wall in there and all sorts of different crazy shit he could do spots off of. And he does a spot where uh, like his big high spot as far as like a high flying move is he kind of does just like a like a trust fall. <laughs> like he just crosses his arms and falls backwards. Goes like, like the coffin drop or some shit like that and just like drops back like a dead body into whoever. So, I mean, that's that's kind of what I expect to see off of one of those structures. But, yeah, I'm excited to see him. I think he's a perfect fit for GCW, CZW, any one of those companies because he's a big bump guy. Reminds me of, like, old school, kind of like Mondo without the death matches. He seemed really dead set against death matches when I had him on the show. But regardless, like, that same type of dude that's going to take, like, sick moves to the floor, That that's really all you need. Like, he's not going to 
I mean, you got enough guys that are going to fall through 300 light tubes in a match. I don't think it's necessary for you to do that. I mean, if they could get him into it, fine. But I, I think he does a crazy enough bumps and stuff that uh, he's going to get the crowd going fucking bananas. And I think, honestly, like, I don't know I don't know the dude from a can of paint, but just the vibe that I get from seeing him a couple of times and the fact that his name is Allen, like, he's influenced by Gigi Allen, if you know who that is. But uh, you can tell the guy's, like, a hardcore guy. He likes taking stunts. He likes doing crazy shit. I feel like once he shares that locker room with GCW and, and kind of, you know, that adrenaline gets pumping, he, he might open up his, you know. Yeah, we'll see. I was surprised because when I asked him about it, because I see him doing this, like, crazy, crazy shit, and I asked about death matches, and he seemed, like, almost offended by it. Like, he, it was not like, yeah, not really into that. He's like, no, that's not wrestling. Like, he was, like, one of those dudes. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> there you go. You're sharing a whole locker room with those guys coming up in so, the week, so. Only time will tell, you know. I mean, anything's possible. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But actually, uh replacing um jack evans on the hybrid show against matt riddle is uh, eddie kingston nice so eddie kingston and matt riddle um i like that yeah i mean i i prefer jack evans versus riddle but i, I mean this is a really good replacement for you know last minute like two weeks before the show you know um, sure and it's always tough for these companies to replace these guys like a week before the show you know it's, it's a pain in the ass dude these wrestlers most of them get bookings you know three four months in advance unless you're like joe gacy and you out there you know fucking begging <laughs> for bookings a week before um, that, and that's the uh, silliest thing, dude. I honestly, I feel bad for the guy because I see him on Facebook all the time. I'm like, hey, these dates are still open, and it's like he's been advertising it for like four weeks, and it's like, yeah, former CCW champion can't find bookings for the next, you know. It's funny. He says some shit like, uh, "I got a bunch of dates, including this weekend." <laughs> it's like, all right, bro, just, just, just fucking mail it in. Uh, I want to see a Kingston promo against Riddle. That's what I want to say. I'm all about fucking Eddie Kingston's promos. So, like, the more of those that we can get, the better. I mean, I honestly think that puts asses in the seats legitimately. Like, he, he's cut some Chikara promos, and I don't like Chikara at all. But he's cut some Chikara promos that made me wonder, like, how's that match going to go? Like, and I never wonder that about Chikara matches. But his promos are that good that you, you legitimately go, like, oh, who's he wrestling? Maybe I should fucking check that out. Like, he draws you in. Yeah, I think I think Kingston and Tremont are probably the two uh, top like, you know, promo guys on the Indies for the most part. Even Teddy Hart, Teddy Hart cut some fucking great promos. If you can make sense of what he's saying, um, mm -hmm. but he's he's passionate. You know what I mean? Like Teddy Hart, he's he's got that. Uh, I don't know, man. It's almost like the Nick Gage, like intensity, passion. Like he he brings that to the table all the time. So I'll take Gage's promos over Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart winds up back at the like. Uh, I, I make the children smile because I go that extra mile. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. How you going to keep using that shit like it's gold? Come on, man. He's been saying that shit for years. But uh, I saw the lineup for uh, On Point's Masters of the Backyard. Um, I don't know what the fuck's going on with this card, dude. I, I don't know anybody really off this card, you know? And they're supposed to be the best wrestlers in the world. I don't know. Nothing against them, dude. I I like the on point crew, but it's like, come on, man. I, I don't know any of these dudes. I'll tell you what. Like when I I went to a couple on point shows, and I kind of seen the the vibe that they were doing. And you know, the top two three matches on the show will be something you'll talk about. Will be good shit. Like you know, Gage Summers on that one show was just fucking great. I could main event anybody's show. Um, you know, some really good shit they did. Um. 
I'm trying to think other matches, but they did a couple of good matches where like the last two or three matches of the show, you go, okay, good. But the rest of it is pretty much a shindy. And, you know, a lot of the this carny mentality is, yeah, they don't pay a lot for the talent, but then they try to sell you it as if it's the top shit out there. But if you've been anywhere but there, you know, that's not even remotely close to the truth. And that's good for you, you know, to not pay a lot of money for your roster and everything. But don't for I mean, I guess you have no choice but to sell it like it's something. And that's your job. I mean, it's your company. You can't just go, it's the best we could do. And I mean, you kind of have to. I can't blame them for trying to pitch it like it's gold. But, you know, when they started, they came up with the Masters of the Mat. I think I was there when they announced that, the first one. And um, Tremont was out there because Tremont was always, you know, pitching the company. He was their spokesman. He was, you know, now he's not involved with them. But um, he was the guy going to tell the crowd what was going on and get them all hyped up. And, you know, and, and Tremont, Tremendous wrestler promo, all of this. As far as you know, promoting and stuff, I think he's he's very carny. He'll try to sell you shit as gold. I mean, that's and again, that's that's kind of what you need to do to make money. If hook your crowd in, any, I mean, you can't sell your product as as not good. You have to sell it as better than it is. Um, so um, he he started pitching it as like you know the. Ted Petty and best of the best. And we're going to create our own one of those. And we're going to try to make it better than any tournament you've ever seen before. And then they started listing talent and it was like Grant Akuma and fucking Sam Shields. And I was like, dude, I don't know what the fuck best of the best you've been watching, but this shit isn't even remotely close. And <laughs> I mean, this lineup looks ridiculous. I mean, it, it looks like, well, I don't know anybody. Like a, I don't know anybody on there. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I maybe know one person. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I know, I know a handful of them by name and stuff, but like, this is this is not like cream of the crop talent. Um, uh, Kyle the Beast is in there, um, yeah, Unbreakable Andy, and um, trying to think of a few others. Yeah, like Unbreakable Andy, dude. I'm I'm all right. I don't yeah, mm. that. Yeah. he's. I mean, don't do that. Just don't like you said. Just don't be corny and call it Masters. Just call it like you know the best we could book this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll do better next year. The best we could do tournament, like, but there is no reason, you know. And I, and I kind of feel the same way about the uh, survival of the sickest. There's enough deathmatch tournaments out there. You're not going to compare it to them. You, your shit is not going to stack up against tournament of death, king of the death, fucking now tournament of survival, Nick Gage Invitational. You know, it, it's it's just not. And I mean, I do like that they do somewhat of like a build. Where like their, you know, their earlier matches aren't nearly as hardcore as the main event. Because now these days it's like first round, no rope, barbed wire, two hundred light tubes, set on fire match, and it's like, well, okay, what is this leading to? Like, I mean, there's a chance now you're gonna get a first round match that outdoes the finals. Like, it's you should probably build your tournaments, but um, it's still it's not gonna it's not gonna match up talent wise. They don't have the the funds to even yeah you, can't you know run with some of these other companies yeah, you, they, can't, they can't compete so. with any of these companies dude i mean you look at um you know tournament of survival right we, we've we've talked about it before how they start out with just way too many crazy shit but at least the final still pays off like the final is the craziest thing you know yeah and when you go into it you're like oh dude how the fuck are you gonna top this and at the end right. you're like oh they they topped it you know but yeah, i yeah. just i just feel like eventually that's gonna 
you're gonna have to slow it down a little bit dude i mean it's cool that you guys did like the crazy amounts of tubes for the first you know nick gage and tremont second one with the concrete box what's next you know there's there's only so right. many ideas you can do you know you can't set up a shark tank for a fucking finals and oh the the loser dies you know like eventually that's what it's gonna come down to yeah but you know they they're with the on point nation it's like you hold 120 people in your building there's no nation there's there's no stop it with the nation you know what i mean like nation is way bigger than 120 people um it's you know emotionally invest i mean you better emotionally invest because i mean you guys you're not putting out enough financially to, to invest in um i don't know i mean if they can continue to make it work my personal thoughts is i think they're gonna fucking sink without tremont i think that's that's a lot of the backing to get guys to work for for lower amounts of money um you know a lot of brother price and yeah come on brother <laughs> you know get it help me out brother you know and you get a couple guys you notice a lot of guys will come in for a show but then you don't see them back and it's not that they didn't work out it's just i think there's only so many favors you're gonna get done you know for that type of money so you look at homicide homicide did on point chris dickinson you know all those guys they'll do like one or two shows but they're not gonna be regular on point guys you know you're not you're not bringing in matt riddle and and matt riddle apparently was supposed to do on point at one point but I mean, you're right. right now. You're not doing like Matt Riddle and Keith Lee at on point, dude. It's just that's it, your whole fucking. You know, that's all the investment you had right there. You know, it's, that wraps up the whole show, if if not more. Yeah, and Loudy's a good dude and everything. Like I said, I I can't blame them for trying to sell it better than it is because that's the only way you can make money in in a business. You can't sell your undersell your product. You have to oversell your product. So. I can't blame them for doing what they're doing with what they have. I'm just not interested. I mean, that's, that's you know, that, yeah, that's I basically mean, what it is with me. Like, I mean, Loudy's asked me a thousand times, Hey man, when are you going to come to on point one time? And dude, honestly t- to me, like, again, no offense. I really like Loudy. I, I like Tremont when he was with it. I like pretty much the whole crew, you know, but it's just like, if to me, it's not worth driving two hours when I can drive two hours and go see GCW or two hours and go see right. Jersey all pro or something else, you know? Um, you really have to be like the, the Captain Dave type of wrestling fan to make the round of all of these shows, <laughs> yeah. you know? Well, you look at um, yeah. SWF, right? So out of curiosity, I, I checked out SWF's uh, YouTube channel. Dude, I, I, I just I, – there's no fucking way you would catch me dead in that building. There's no fucking way nah, at all. Man. And I get it, like Rob Fury, whatever the fuck. That, that dude's a scumbag, by the way, anyway, from all the shit that I've heard about him. But um, like mm. he's the carniest fucking person you can imagine. He comes out there and yeah. says you're gonna see the most exciting wrestling of all time. Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, not yeah. really, dude. Not really. I don't really think you're you're delivering the best wrestling anyone's ever seen in a fucking SWF building. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. Like, you have to sell your product that way because it's your product. It's it's all you have. Um, the people that are going, the people you do hook in, are along for that ride. People like me, as soon as I hear that type of shit, I'm turned off. I'm I'm gone. Like, you're not getting me back. I'm fucking gone because I've seen better. So you can't lie to my fucking face and be like, this is for you. I hate hearing this is for you guys. This is for you guys. This is all for you. Every fucking company out there would never run again if they didn't make money. I mean, it's just 
the the goal is to make money. It's not for me. You're not doing a fucking charity show in my yard just because. Like, you don't just show up at my barbecues and throw down a five-star match out of your pocket. Like, it, you know, it, I'm pretty sure you're trying to succeed on some level for you. It's really not just for the fans. Well, as Get you the fuck should. Out of here. As you should. You're running a business. Of just course it's a business. Yeah, just don't lie to me. That's yeah, I'm just don't fucking, fucking talk to me like I'm stupid. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. But, um... Let's let's talk about uh, Ku Klux Kevin uh, from from Deep South. <laughs> uh, yeah, this guy. Yeah, this fucking guy. Um, <laughs> so he commented on 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 your show when he posted it up, um, basically saying that that you know obviously just basically going out there and admitting that he listens, and that uh, he gets buried all the time on these podcasts. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jeremy had posted it on, um, he posts uh, the show, Jeremy does all the recaps for my show, and, um, you know, he does a great job with that, and he posted a lot of places, I don't deal with groups, um, I even had to leave Shaheen's group, because I, I can't stand these motherfuckers that are in there, like, they're people that I wouldn't normally even converse with, and then they're, like, real fucking real sold on their own opinion and get offensive. And I don't like these motherfuckers. So, um, I don't deal with groups and, um, Jeremy, you know, he, he's involved in a couple little groups and stuff. So he's able to share my show in this group and that group. And, you know, maybe some of those people tune in a lot of them tune in and hate me. <laughs> and I think that's fucking funny because I don't tune in the shit they do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's not a fucking thing that they do that I, that I'm checking out. Um, like Kevin Brandon get mad as fuck. I'm not watching Deep South, but he's listening to my shit. So Masada, you know, he had said some shit about Deep South and said that you know the the, the product is trash. What they do is garbage, and that um most of their um their fans are most likely related, and um you know just uh you know just shit on them. And that that's what a lot of people do with Deep South because. It is trash. And, you know, I, not only did Kevin Brandon pop in, but then Graham popped in, which is, you know, another shitbag who I deleted off of Facebook because uh, I wish I could delete him off of all of Facebook, but I was only able to delete him off of my Facebook. Um, but, uh, yeah, like he, he's got a problem with me because he's he's emotionally invested in Deep South Wrestling. And uh, he was one of the people who was drinking hard alcohol and helping to set up razor wire, which, again, like if you're if you're a legitimate fan of the product and cannot see the possible negative to having fans string up razor wire, razor wire is something that many deathmatch wrestlers won't go near. And um, they're just like, yeah, fans, grab a roll and fucking put down your bottle of hard liquor and string it on up like if you think that, that this is a, a well-running company and there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, then you're fucking really, really dumb. But um, that's not my problem. So uh, it, those people obviously had a problem with the things that I said and things that Masada said. But again, they listen to the show to hear it. So what, what can I say? I just think it's fucking funny. Real, real quick though, I think I think correction. I don't think it's it's some wrestlers not doing razor wire. I think it's like ninety five percent of wrestlers won't touch that shit. Yeah, yeah. It's there's very few people that are going near razor wire. Yeah, you'll catch like a Josh Crane and Dale Patrick's and you know John Wayne Murdoch, maybe a couple of those guys, but Marcus Crane. Yeah, like Crane will definitely do it, but for the most part, man, no no sane wrestlers going out there and doing fucking. I doubt even Gage would do fucking razor wire. You know. Yeah. 
If he, if he told him he was scared, he'd fucking eat razor wire just to show you that he's not a pussy. Yeah, yeah. He might throw a couple people into it. I don't I don't see any of those uh, seasoned, like, old-school CZW guys going out there and taking razor wire now just because, you know. It's crazy, crazy shit. Yeah, yeah. Razor wire is no joke, man. It's fucking blades on wire, you know. It's it's not like barbed wire. It's a complete difference. Yeah, I, I've said the comparison in the past too. Barbed wire is meant to keep keep animals in or out of an enclosure. Razor wire is meant to keep people in or out of an enclosure. So it's supposed to stop a person from moving further. Like hurt you bad enough where you don't want to fuck around no more. <laughs> All right, let's talk about uh, Jersey All Pro for a second, and then uh, we can kind of recap the interviews that we did uh, separately and kind of trade okay. notes. Um, Jersey All Pro. So I had uh, Monster Mac on the show last week, um, going over the going over the show with him. Basically, mm-hmm. he said, if this show does not draw, expect one more Jersey All Pro show. Okay, um, a couple of things. I don't know who promoted Monster Mac to you know part owner or what the, whatever the case is. Um, so I, I guess that's that's his own you know situation to work out with with the people there. But um, and, and you know I, I don't say that he's wrong. I don't say that he's wrong at all. I'm sure he knows a lot more of the you know, um, you know the inner workings of it or anything like that. But it's weird. It's just like you know he was like veteran fucking you know Hall of Fame now, Jersey All Pro wrestler, and now it's it's like. You know I mean, like he's got like a lot more of the inner workings and I don't, I don't think, you know, he purchased part of the company, but I mean, it is what it is. I'm sure he's not wrong as far as, you know, if the attendance flops, you know, it's hard without, without Fat Frank there, that's the heart of the company. Um, but yeah, I, I guess we're going to have to see, I think the, the business model, I guess I'll just go right into this, uh, this business model of we're building a new Jersey All Pro, and and not using the guys that are the foundation of Jersey All Pro, I think is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Um, I think the worldwide is is a complete fucking shindy show. Um, I, if that's supposed to be, and to say that you're going to run quarterly shows, if this worldwide product is going to be one of your quarterly shows, and it's a complete shindy product, I guarantee you this company is done. I, guaranteed and you know i love jersey all pro but like that worldwide shit is no jersey all pro that that's not a jersey all pro show your fucking champion wasn't on it i mean seriously i mean look at the fucking quote-unquote talent on that and if you're seriously gonna sell tj macaroni as a guy you're really high on then you really shouldn't be high on the booking committee because that's not gonna bring anybody into your fucking building yeah i mean jersey all pro man it always screamed out to all the fans because they put on dream matches, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you got Nick Gage against Jerry, the fucking King Lawler, you know, those yeah. are the type of matches that, that stood out to me with Jersey all pro. When you look at it and you got like Joe Gacy on there and Marconi and a lot of these SWF guys, you know, um, it just, it does come off like a shindy, you know, like a couple mm. of the matches on that. I mean, honestly, looking at the card again, it looks a lot better than I initially like looked at it. Once I like, Put it in perspective. I was like, oh, okay, this will be a good match. This, so the, for the most part, like, it's going to be a good card, but it's yeah. not. It's not a Jersey All Pro card. It does no, it doesn't resemble that. And to try to build, like, he says some shit, like, yeah, I was trying to, you know, build up the future. We're like the past of Jersey All Pro, and and uh, 
you know, we're, we're trying to build a, what what's the foundation of the future? I mean, Matt Riddle's not going to be a fucking mainstay. I mean, what what exactly is the future? I guess Kyle the Beast you're talking about. Well, I mean, you're not going to sorry, you're not building a company off the guy from the woods either. Um, you know, you could work a match, but you know, we've talked about this in the past that like there's there's somewhat of a there's something lacking there. It might be because he's from the woods, might be the horrible gimmick. But you're not building the fucking company off of Kyle the Beast. And I don't understand why a company is so established would need building, you know? I mean, you would you would use those mainstay guys, those Jersey All-Pro foundations to put other guys over in order to help build those guys. You wouldn't just fucking remove them from the card and go, okay, get used to this new shit. Like, what is that? It just... I don't understand the mentality of that at all, but I, I mean, he'll figure that shit out when it fails. Cause it, it's definitely, you know, you could book some good cards and there's some good shit on this card. It should bring in some people, but I think if this is your continued plan, you're just another indie. It's not Jersey all pro. Yeah. A cu- couple of things real quick. Um, with him taking all these guys off the card, like homicide, low key, the hit squad, you know, Kingston, Joker, all, taking all those guys off the card. It really makes no sense because if you look at WWE right now, their top guys are guys that came up with these guys. So it's not like these guys are old as fuck and they're out of their prime and they can't go. No. Low-key can go just as much as AJ Styles right now. You, can, I mean, oh, yeah. you can't tell me he can't go. You know, Eddie Kingston, all those guys, sure, they're older. They can still go, though. They're, they're still having great matches. It's not like, you know, maybe Monster Mac, you know, speaking for himself because I know he said that, you know, he's kind of trying to retire soon. Um but I think that's just him, though. I don't think I don't think Moff probably feels the same way. I don't think Homicide. I mean, Homicide's probably gonna you know wrap it up pretty soon. But uh, low key and guys like that, I think they're still in great shape. They can still go. I don't I don't see the reason behind it. The vibe that I got up from it too, and I don't know you know how much of this is connected together, and it becomes somewhat of an excuse. But the vibe that I got through that entire interview is fucking Moff doesn't give a fuck about the Hit Squad. Um, he, he kind of does when he, he needs to or, or feels like he wants to, but it's kind of just like when he wants to. Otherwise, he can give a fuck if it exists or not. Like, he's got his own shit going, and he's not married to the Hit Squad thing. The, despite the fact that, that Monster Mac really wants him to be, he, he's not down with it. And, and it's easy to just say, yeah, we're not going to use the Hit Squad so much on Jersey All-Pro, but in the back of your mind, you know you couldn't get Moff to do it regularly if you wanted him to. So I don't know how much of that is tied together. It could be as simple as Loki was busy that day. Plus you got the shit going on with Moff that you can't get him, you know, so, you know, maybe he's tying that all together. Um, my main thing is look, cause I mean, the hit squad will kill it and beyond. Um, look, look at the match they got coming up with, with the A club. Um, you know, there's other places where the hit squad are still fucking running shit. They're still doing great shit. Homicide's still working all over the place. My thing, my main problem with that whole thing is Loki. That was the place for me to see Loki. That was where Chris Dickinson and Loki squared off. That was where Sammy Callahan, Loki squared off. Ray Mysterio and Loki squared off. That was where you got to see Loki spotlighted the way Loki would not be spotlighted anywhere else. You know, he's he's been labeled as a guy that might be a little bit harder to work with backstage. But the place that he called home, the place that, you know, he wouldn't have a problem and he would be, you know, treated as as, you know, a guy who who is home is is Jersey All Pro. So where do you get as a low key fan? Where do you get your low key marquee fucking matchups if it's not Jersey All Pro? 
Yeah, I guess maybe AW now, but the, I mean, Jersey All Pro was was low key. That's I mean, yeah. that's his cousin. That's the, you know, that's the weirdest thing. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I don't know, man. I I was I was legitimately shocked when he was talking about Moff because uh, Steve Mack is is more of like like the Matt Tremont, Louis Ramos type of guy. You know, he, he doesn't really talk bad about anybody. Um, you can tell that, but you know, from the vibe for the most part. Um, really nice dude. So for him to come out and be like. Yeah, I feel like Moff wasn't, you know, putting one hundred percent in when we we're CCW champions, and I was kind of disappointed. I was like, "Oh shit, that's you guys probably weren't on the same page then." You know, if you were coming on here and talking about it like that, that yeah. just uh, kind of raised an eyebrow. But I mean, you can tell Moff is one hundred percent behind, you know, Wrestle Pro. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of over the hit squad days. I don't want to put words in the dude's mouth. I'm just going off of what I'm hearing from from you know from the situation. But uh, it just seems like he's doing his own thing, and Pat Buck and those guys. Um, and the interesting thing is, if you um, listen to the interview, I asked him, I was like, well, why weren't you booked for uh, PWS for the most part, you know? And he was like, mm-hmm. well, when Pat Buck came in, they stopped booking me. Yeah. And, I mean, he didn't say there was an issue, but, like, you can't help yeah. put two and two together that, like, oh, as soon as Pat Buck came around, the hit squad broke up in, in PWS or whatever yeah. the case may have been. And as soon as Pat Buck took over WrestlePro, Dan Moff went with Pat Buck and the hit squad is kind of... Yeah, and not for nothing, but, like, Monster Mac, I think, is a little delusional as far as, uh, you know, how he talks about Moff not not succeeding and him being like, oh, I did great with all sorts of different tag teams. Like, that was all Jersey All-Pro shit. Like, he was a tag team with, with Louie, Jersey All-Pro. He was a tag team with Havoc, Jersey All-Pro. He was a tag team with, um, I know there oh, Kyle Beast, uh, gcw or jcw whatever but that like that's within very small arenas those weren't known like the hit squad anywhere else so it's not like he blew a bunch of guys up in tag teams as the hit like as big as the hit squad was the hit squad was the biggest thing he's ever been involved with i think um you know to say that 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 moff has had the same type of deal i don't think is exactly fair um i think he succeeded as a singles wrestler in jersey all pro I think succeeded as a, as a singles wrestler, even in Ring of Honor. There was a small window, but um, it was actually right before the whole blackballed situation. He was doing pretty well. He had a world title match against Samoa Joe at the time. He was doing some pretty big shit. Had a great four-way with um, Acid and uh, I think Whitmer and maybe somebody else in there. Um, uh, he, he was also... Um, where the fuck else he was successful oh he was successful in czw he came into czw as pretty much a singles guy and um you know was teamed up with i think he was teamed up with b-boy or some shit um you know yeah i already used to, yeah teamed up with homicide against uh trent b-boy and uh you know i mean he he, he went in there he wrestled nick gage in the strong style uh tournament that's like a strong style tournament at some point it was him versus Gage. It is chair spots and shit. Like he he did some legitimate shit by himself. So I don't think it's quite so fair to say that like you know oh well you know by himself he didn't really do much. Of course the Hit Squad holds more weight than anything that Steve Mack or you know Moff has by itself. But I don't think that he's unable to succeed without Mack quite as much as I think Mack is without Moff. Yeah, I mean I think I think. Mac himself, he would he would probably admit that uh, Dan Moff has had a bigger career as far as solo. Because I mean, you look at it, he was the, he was the face of PWS and WrestlePro, and you right. know both of us, neither of us are fans of WrestlePro or PWS, but 
you got to go by the facts. I mean, they were packing the fucking house in, you know? Mm-hmm. So that says something right there. You know, they weren't doing fucking SWF and, you know, those numbers with 55 people in the building. You know, they're not doing UWA Elite or whatever the fuck that shit's called. Um, yeah. They're not doing those kind of numbers, you know? So I think I think Moff deserves a little bit more credit than I think Monster Mac was giving him as far as a solo yeah. guy. But I don't I don't blame Mac for being upset or disgruntled in the slightest because I mean seriously, as the hit squad, main event, any card, any company, anywhere, the hit squad can be fucking main event. Without without Moff, I don't think Mac main events anywhere. Yeah. No, so, I, I wouldn't agree. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. So I, I mean I don't blame him for that, you know what I mean? Because the hit squad are one of the most dominant tag teams of all time on the indies and everywhere. I mean, those guys could have there's definitely points where those guys could have showed up on TV and fucking crowd would have went nuts for what they were doing. So I don't blame him, you know, for one second for not being uh happy with that Moff isn't still on the same page with him. Yeah, it doesn't even seem like they know when they're gonna wrap it up because uh I asked them about the Headhunters, right? I was like, well, the one dream match I want to see is the Headhunters versus the Hit Squad. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think it's going to be a good match. The Headhunters, they can barely go. They can barely move. I don't think it's going to be a good match. But just the visual. It's, it's just a cool thing to see. Um, I asked about it, and he was really excited about the match. He said, you know, he can make it happen tomorrow if, if Moff is down because, you know, plenty of different promotions are willing to book this match, and, and I guess he can get the Headhunters. I don't know. From what I hear, the headhunters are awful to work with, so I don't fucking know if they're that, that, that easy where you can just call these dudes up like, hey, you know, hit squads, up for it. We're going to do this match. I don't think it's that easy. Um, from the few people that work with the, the headhunters that I've talked to, they're, they're pretty fucking awful, including Ricky O. He talked about it last time. So yeah. you never bring them in again. They're, they're fucking just brutal. So I don't think it's as easy as he makes it sound. Um, I, I would love to see it. But just from the sound of it, he, you can tell I don't think they communicate that much. Um, yeah, I mean, he said like he has connections to make the headhunters thing happen like tomorrow, but his tag partner it may or may not give a shit. <laughs> like, okay, this is, I mean, I that's not good. I mean, not for a hit squad fan, it's not. Yeah. And honestly, it's it's kind of sad because when they came back and and they had their most recent run, um, in CZW Beyond Wrestling and all that stuff, I th- I thought it was fucking cool as shit, man, to see that again and. They didn't lose a step, you know. Monster Mac had gotten bigger, but I thought as a team they were fucking, they were still doing insane spots. They were bringing it, you know. And um, yeah. if, if if it ends up just, just them just wrapping it up after the Hate Club thing, Hate Club is a good is a good duo to kind of go with as far yeah. as your last match as a tag team. But uh, I just wish they were on better terms because I thought they were like I thought they were going places. I was like, oh shit, we're gonna see the Hit Squad and PWG soon. Um, after they were doing Beyond, and it just kind of it just kind of seems like he did Wrestle Pro again. And you remember that that uh, CZW show where Homicide had to replace Moff? Yeah, um, and that, yeah, that yeah. clicked with me. I was like, oh shit, he probably had a Wrestle Pro show that night, and this this that's where all this probably stems from, you know, from them having yeah. stripped them off the titles and not booking them again and so forth. So, yeah, and uh, honestly, like as much as you want to, you know, to to keep going and everything like that. I mean, if it's a situation where, you know, Mac's going to be fucking like stood up at the altar every time, you know, he's got the fucking CZW tag championships. And as a hit squad fan, you're like, fuck, yeah, man, you know, this match and that match. We're hoping for this match and that match. And man, I hope they do a series with these cats. And then this, you know, the EYFBO, they got a series lined up with these cats in in CZW. This is going to be fucking one of the best tag rivalries all time. Like, 
you know, this is going to go down in the history of CZW to Hit Squad being able to be up top and maybe even bring back the vibe of that old hate club and just be crushing motherfuckers on CZW cards. As a fan, I was hyped. And for Mac to just kind of get stood up because Moff doesn't give a fuck, that sucks. So, I mean, if that type of thing would keep happening to Mac on, on this card or that card while he's trying to make things happen and he's trying to keep the, you know, the crew together and then Moff's like, eh, I got other shit to do, then they might as well just wrap it up then and, and you know, leave it as the, the hit squad we remember rather than, you know, Monster Mac and mystery partner. Yeah, if, if you... If you'd rather train with like Habib the car wash guy over, you know, <laughs> yeah. show up at CZW, then yeah, it's probably that. probably time to wrap it up. But, yeah. Um, was there anything else from the interview that you want to? Nah, um, I think that's pretty much it. I do think I, I actually, I wish I would have sent in a question because I really, I wonder why, um, every time the history of Jersey All Pro is talked about and. Uh, what what brought Jersey All Pro to the dance and and you know what continuously is a part of Jersey All Pro? I wonder why in every one of his posts, promos, interviews, Pierre's name is completely left out. Um, to the best of my understanding, Jersey All Pro ownership was Fat Frank, Pierre, and Jeff, and that's that's what built Jersey All Pro, and it just becomes Fat Frank R.I.P. And, hey, I was talking to Jeff. I was talking to Jeff. I was talking to Jeff. And, and it's just weird to cut another person out of the mix. Just, I, I don't know. That's weird, you know. Um, so I, I just wonder why that is and, you know, what the, what the exact uh, relationship is there, you know, because I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm friends with uh, Pierre, you know, but, you know, we've talked for a couple of years and, you know, we're, we're friendly that way and, you know, talk on the phone occasionally and stuff like that. But. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they obviously have had years of dealing with each other long, long before I ever knew Pierre on, on any kind of personal level. So, um, I mean, there's got to be a backstory to that or, you know, what exactly is going on there. I mean, no idea. I just know, you know, what's left of Jersey All Pro as far as the backstage thing should definitely be um, Jeff and Pierre first and foremost. And you know, from there, I'm sure other people will pick up roles and try to get the shit going. And the people who've had passion in the product, like Steve Mack, you know, will continue to try to keep the wheels moving. But um, it just it seems like there's a lot of dissension. And um, I don't know. It's weird, you know, to try to rewrite history and especially saying things like, man, like, uh, you know, we thought about changing the name, changing the fucking name. What, what, what is that? Change the name. And then and then what? It just it's weird. It's either start up another company from the ground up or, you know, I mean, or keep it going. It's I understand you go like 20 years in a company and be like, oh, let's change the name. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I should. I don't know. I think the, the problem with those companies is, is the fact that they have Jersey in the name, you know, but when you're starting up a company, if you're planning on expanding, it's probably not the smartest idea to do that. Yeah, but 20 years in. Yeah, I mean, the they, they're known <laughs> now. Yeah, they're known now. You know what Jersey All-Pro is, you know, when you yeah. hear it. But it's just kind of silly to see, like, Jersey All-Pro in, like, Utah. You know, it's like, oh, well, fucking weird. Sure. But after 20 years and losing, you know, the heart of the company is, is now when they're going to head to Utah? Probably not. I mean, it's just solidify back home first, you know, Jesus. But even, like, Allentown, you know, Philadelphia, it just sounds silly to say Jersey All-Pro in Allentown. It's just... 
Yeah. But um, you even mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pierre put up a status kind of um, teasing some kind of some kind of heat between the two guys. Um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he was saying something about, I guess, like, you know, boys in their locker room thinking they're like taking over or something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, it major shit changes, man. It, Frank was was everything to Jersey All-Pro. So, you know, I, I feel like from a fan's perspective i'm not on the fucking inside of anything um but you know you want to see jersey all pro continue because that was frank's baby and that was that was something he wouldn't want to see just go away and the same token these people that dealt with frank and you know got to feel that passion of what frank was doing and and putting into the company it's hard to replace that because he was the, the fuel that kept it going so I, I don't know that it's possible without him. Again, I don't know. I just just from a fan's perspective, but you know, you want it to keep going for him, but without him, what is it? So I I think that's what they're going to come back to after a certain amount of time. So uh, I I know you know, not to speak for Pierre, but Pierre has definitely expressed to me many times it's just never going to be the same without Frank. Well, yeah, Frank Frank had the passion, you know. Sure. I'm sure if it wasn't for Frank, Jersey All Pro would have never came back five, six yeah. years ago. You know, because I I lived um you know I lived not far away from like ten minutes away from him. I'd see him in Walmart. He his eyes would light up. He'd see me. You know, he'd look like he was tired as hell. And I turned the corner to fucking cookie aisle or some shit, and there you know there he'd be fucking strolling, and uh his fucking eyes would light up. Dude, you know I'm booking this next month, and, and just you know like he just started running shows like the the passion he'd talk to you was like you're not gonna believe what i'm gonna do next month and he'd be like don't tell anybody but i I got this guy i just got off the phone with such and such and and just like he was hyped like it was his first show he was ever running and he couldn't believe he was in the business like he was always so hyped and passionate and that that's not something you could just replace because you want to you know like that's got to be something in you and he he really had that shit so I mean, dude, it's like it's like if ECW lost Paulie, it just it wouldn't be the same, never ever. It's just not possible, you yeah. know. Or if like WWE lost Vince, like it just imagine Attitude Era without Vince. If they just replaced Vince with some random dude, like yeah, it's, I don't I don't know about this. So, yeah, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, let's talk about the Masada real quick. Uh, yeah, man. Interview that you did, nice. Uh, almost almost what two and a half hours. Yeah, man. Like, I had about an hour of questions written down, and I got through that hour of questions and was pretty much going to wrap it up. And he's like, hey, man, I ain't got shit to do, man. We could do like a two, three hour interview. And I'm like, all right. So then the next hour was me just just completely freestyling and any wrestling topics I could think of. Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I mean, honestly, I think that's the best way to go with interviews. Like, for the most part, like, a good 80% of interviews, I, I just go into no fucking questions, you know? I may have, like, a topic or two just to kind of segue from, but um, unless it's, like, a wrestler I'm not too familiar with where I actually need to, like, write down some notes about him. Um, and usually I avoid having those on the show anyway because there's, there's really no point. But, um, yeah, for the most part, I think that's that's the best way because you get that organic reaction, you know? It's like a natural conversation. It's not It's not scripted or anything, so... Yeah, that always comes off better. But um, the the funny thing about Masada is he, why does he hate America so much, man? He's just a fucking, <laughs> he's a good old like Texan, and then out of nowhere he's like, yeah, dude, I love Mexico, fuck America, I'm, I'm going to Mexico. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, like, the type of shit like that, he more or less says, like, fuck this situation, and, you know, uh, grass is greener on the other side. I mean, they're they're paying him more in Mexico. Per per date, they have more dates for him. Um, I mean, you look at everything across the board, it just, it makes more sense to him. They give him, like, a legitimate, like, regular work schedule where he doesn't have to worry about am i getting booked am i not getting booked you know there's so much shit that's gone on with him that i i I cannot blame him for being really pissed off at the situation over here because you know he was in texas for a while and then it was like northeast guys gotta like pay for flights and or you know whatever transportation i gotta put them up you know whatever the case is maybe you could stay with somebody i don't know but um they definitely had to fly him from texas so he was getting some bookings out here, but, you know, obviously you would think he would get more bookings if he wasn't a flight. So he moves out here and gets less fucking bookings than he was getting. Like, no one has anything for him. And then it's like, all right, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do now? Because now I'm not even near where I like to be. And then on top of that, I'm not getting booked. And then, uh, you know, he had some shit go on with his wife where he's, he's going to go through another divorce. So I, there's just nothing left for him to stay around. Yeah. I think um, the, the weirdest part to me was that he wasn't getting enough bookings in the Northeast. Because I figured since Masada is living in New York, I was like, oh, GCW is just going to use him every month. And CZW is probably going to use him every month. And then um, I didn't really see him at all. Unless, like he said, he was a replacement, you know. But um, for the most part, I mean, I understand where he's coming from. Because uh, it's, it's rough being, like, an indie worker. And he has a good point. I mean, he doesn't have a resume. He's been doing this for fucking 15, 16 years, you know? It's not like he worked yeah. legitimate jobs. Um, so, yeah, it's tough to be, like, you know, mid-30s with no experience at all other than fucking wrestling to try to find a job. And um, I don't know, man. I, I, hope, I hope the best for him in Mexico. I mean, from the footage that I've seen, he's working with some big talent. La Parca and fucking Carlito and Del Rio and guys like that up there. So... Uh, if he's making more money up there, man, best best of luck. I just I, I didn't expect that ha- you know to actually happen because it's it's a it's a ballsy move, man, to just pick up and leave, go to Mexico as a yeah. fucking just a white dude, that non Hispanic dude, just get up and go. I don't. Does he speak Spanish? I don't even fucking know if he like. I don't think so. I I think he said he didn't, but uh, he manages to make it work. And, and that was the thing, man. Like. I hit him up like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm about to get shit back running up on the show because we were, we were supposed to have been, you know, connected for another interview for months now. You know, we've been talking about it. And, uh, you know, I had the thing where I wasn't I wasn't doing the show. So I, I knew, like, first interview back, I want him on. So I hit him up. I'm like, yeah, man, um, yeah, I want to get you back on the show, like, ASAP because I'm going to start running again, you know, this coming week. And he goes, well, you better hurry up on that interview. A lot of times he'll shoot me back instead of like um, typing to me. Like I guess I'll do the shit like uh, he's talking into his phone, so I'll just I'll just get like the voice message thing. And he'd be like, yeah, man, you better hurry up with that interview. I'm about to move to fuck Mexico. Fuck this shit, bro. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, that's not even like, you know, kind of busy this month. That's like might never ever happen in <laughs> like his i'm gonna live in another country i'm like oh shit well how's wednesday he's like if i'm still in the fucking country man i'm down i'm like oh fuck so i'm like yeah i'll touch base with you closer to then and i hit him up and it was like the next day 
I see a video with him fucking with Scott Summers down in um in Texas, and I'm like, fuck, he's already he's already right on the goddamn border. Like he went from like yeah in New York to like or in Ohio or whatever the fuck to like yeah I'm in Texas already. Like oh shit, man, it's it's only a rock's throw now, and he's out. And then I hit him up, uh, you know, closer to him, and he's like, yeah, I'll still be here. I'm down or whatever. I was like, okay. But, uh, yeah, when he started laying out, like, I'm only making this much money here. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Down there, I'm wrestling fucking uh, La Parca. I'm fucking, uh, you know, I was wrestling Sabu in Texas. Um, you know, I'm wrestling this guy here, that guy there. Uh, you know, in the Northeast, they're just trying to help me put over young guys, which is fine. But if that's the only thing they're doing with me, what the fuck am I hanging out for? You know, like... Yeah, he's he just disgruntled about the whole scene and everything that's going on. And honestly, DJ's booking is shit. You know, when we looked at that four-way match that he was in, it was like him, Tim Donst, uh, the Zach Wentz, and uh, Stockade or some shit. Right? That was the four-way. And we were like, what the fuck is this? Well, Mossad is thinking, what the fuck is this, too? <laughs> you know? And when that's his career and that's like his only booking for the month or, you know, maybe one of two bookings, that shit's not worth sitting around in New York where you're not even fucking happy. Yeah, I think um, the biggest shocker was the fact that GCW wasn't really using him. Um, and it makes sense now because remember that whole whole match he did with Zandig when we did the review? We were like, oh, fuck, I don't know what happened on that show because... Nobody's ever seen him job out like that within three seconds and take a bump and just wrap it up. And yeah. now it makes sense because, you know, he wanted more money to go to the finals and they didn't really want to pay him that much. So he was like, fuck it, dude. I'll, I'll take one bump and I'm out. So yeah. it explains the booking a little bit because, you know, I was confused when that happened. But um, at least we got an explanation now. Uh, do you think he's going to come back to the States or do you think he's going to get stuck in Mexico? Because I, I don't see him coming back anytime soon. Nah, man, like if, if he legitimately goes and lives out in Mexico, even if he jumps back over to Texas, because, you know, that, that that's his home. He's a Texan. So, I mean, if he, you know, does his Mexico gigs and then, you know, heads back to Texas and, you know, because that's not as big of a jump, um, I guess, depending on where in Mexico or Texas, I don't know either area for shit. So, um, but, you know, it could be not far at all for him to hop back and forth. Who knows? Either way, to come back to the Northeast is going to be a flight, and he's not just going to be willing to do it every minute for fucking $200 or whatever the case is. So uh, it, it's going to take a lot more for the East Coast to book him. I don't think he'd be against the booking, but you're going to pay for it a lot more than you did when he was right there in New York. So I think it's less likely to happen, and, and th- th- that's what he's going to be facing as far as the East Coast seeing him. Yeah, you're not gonna see him in New Jersey when he was living in New York, and you barely saw him. If he's going to Mexico, dude, you're not you're not seeing him. No, but it, I mean, it is what it is. I'm sure the Sabu match, the rematch, will happen in Mexico because Sabu's you know big in Mexico. They love him over there. Um, we'll see what happens with that. But um, one last thing that I wanted to to talk about as far as uh the whole Masada thing is uh, how much he hates wrestling. Um, <laughs> this this seems to be like a almost like a pattern you see in in these, you know, old school indie guys. You look at CM Punk, guys that that fucking love this shit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Guys that took 15, 16-hour trips every weekend for 20 bucks and a hot dog just to be able to step in that ring. And then they finally got the fortune and fame, and they hated it. You know, to the point they make fun of it. You know, they're like, oh, dude, fuck that corny shit. 
And it's like, no, well, no, you were a fan, dude. You, you, you were the the biggest fan. Yeah. You did this for a living, you know. Um, and it, it, it's always interesting to me that that these guys do a complete 180 after like a decade of being in the business and just dealing with all the carny promoters and all the cancellations and not getting paid on time and being jiffed. That is, I can. I see it, you know. Even as fans yourself, you fucking basically hate this shit. And yeah, you, I can't stand you it. You were a huge fan. You can't, I mean, deny being a huge fan. You went to every fucking show and had a, you know, collected and all that stuff. And now absolutely, you off. yeah. Um, even myself, you know, I've fucking loved it since I was a damn near a baby, and it turned me on for ten years. Where I just stopped watching everything. I didn't watch anything yeah. at all, really. I would watch an indie show here and there, but I didn't keep up with anything. Um, yeah. And a lot of had, you know, I was in high school through college, so you know, a lot of that had something to do with it but uh i can see it being a huge turn on what, what's your uh, opinion on this whole thing because there's there's a ton of dudes that, that fucking hate it now i mean there's a lot to change too over the years uh you know the clicks and you know who you know within the you know whoever politics the highest in the company is getting all their fucking friends booked like right away i mean you go back to czw when they were still in the arena but under dj still Drake had big influence in that, and it was just every fucking buddy from Indiana, uh, you know, everybody from fucking Naptown over there had a job. It was just, it, and that's you know that's the next one, the more recent, and uh, Sammy, uh, Sammy's in there. Every fucking guy in Ohio has a fucking job there. Everybody, uh, Trey Miguel is is uh, debuting on on this coming show which i'm kind of excited to see what it, what he's up to because uh, i've heard that he's really good but again like you know house of glory guys don't stand a fucking chance because everyone from ohio is booked you know it's just it, it's it's there's such favoritism played and it, it's not even about talent anymore obviously you know you got to have something when you show up or the fans aren't gonna you know let it fucking go too long but you know dj will book half a fucking Hollywood wrestling just because they book him. I mean, those guys, even if they're flying themselves in, there's guys locally that are way better, you know, and he just, it's because it benefits him. So a lot of that shit has changed where it's not really just the best talent or the, you know, the, the earned spots. And on top of that too, it's not just me that's bothered by this shit where, where everybody's fucking buddies and there's no more like pretend hatred in wrestling. The, the, the fight feel is gone. It's all fucking, yeah, I'm, I'm wrestling my buddy tonight. We're going to kill it. High five. You know, like, fuck you. This is bullshit. I remember when ring of honor came out, almost every fucking company, especially CZW would make fun of that handshake after the match shit. Like, look at these pussies shaking hands after the fucking match. This fucking, this shit is gay. Like, what the fuck are they shaking hands for? They're just trying to kill each other. And now, not only do you fucking shake hands, you give, like, a fucking best man speech after every fucking match. Like, it's... Yeah, dick spots on top of it after the match. You have to profess your love for your fucking opponent. It's like, what the fuck? You got AR Fox in the ring. Teddy Hart's walking to the ring at that PWS show. And Teddy's yelling in the ring, this fucking guy right here is the real deal. It's like, you guys didn't even fucking start the match yet and you're putting him over. Like, are you his manager or opponent? Like, what the fuck is going on? And I know those are two of the best high flyers in the business. Why the fuck are you doing that? Because to to a lot of people, it doesn't even matter anymore. But I think to the people who really gave a fuck, 
about it it meaning like a fight feel who wanted to see two guys tear each other apart and that's why i think gage is still so over that's why i like gage still so much other than that cell block shit because he he actually acts like he wants to murder the guy he's wrestling and to me that that matters that matters a lot and um i I mean there's there's a lot of shit like that that maybe after 20 years of doing it you step back and go what the fuck is this (laughs) you know yeah i i just i feel like um you know i mean obviously kayfabe is dead it's been dead for years but uh, dude at least for that 20 minutes you're in there just pretend how hard is that you know Apparently it's very hard. Yeah, but like you just imagine like you you don't fucking watch you know Gotham and the fucking actor in the middle just just all of a sudden just takes his fucking wild, wild cup of coffee and takes a sip, you know? No. Nah. No, you're playing a role, dude. Just fucking do it and and get it over with and after that you can hug him as much as you want backstage. Give a shit. Yeah. Go go keep that fucking speech for back. And I'm not against the speech. That works for some matches, you know? <laughs> it works for some matches. I get it. I don't need to see it every match, dude. I really don't. Put your buddy over in a fucking retirement speech. Put your buddy over in a shoot interview. You don't need to do it immediately following the match. Come yeah, on. But, but like, I, I can understand it if it's if it's a younger guy coming up and he's doubted and he goes out there and he fucking kills it and, this, and, and they build up to it like, oh, this guy thought he was just going to be a complete piece of shit and he went out there and killed it with him. If you build up to it, I can understand it from a story standpoint. But when you just do it just because you're friends, that's like, oh, dude, I just, that fucking grosses me out. For the most part, it kills the character, though. Sammy Callahan has completely decimated his character through doing that shit. He came right out of the WWE, came into the fucking CZW ring, wrestled David Starr, great fucking crazy back-and-forth match, and fucking immediately had to explain to the crowd how good David Starr is. It's like, dude, the crowd's been popping for him the whole time you were gone. Like, there's zero reason for you to put this guy over like you needed your fucking rub. Like... And, and it's just like the Sammy Callahan left the fucking Indies to go to the WWE, a killer, a cold fucking hearted killer, you know, fucking didn't give a shit about Sabu was trying to like fucking end careers as far as his gimmick went. And then he comes back out and he's like, this guy's awesome. He's the future, bro. Like this is, this is the guy, man. You guys pay attention to this guy. Go buy his merch. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. It just, it, it, it takes me away from it. Yeah, you mentioned the House of Glory guys and them basically not being given up, uh, you know, a spot. And honestly, I think Amazing Red and, and Brian XL, dude, they've done a fucking tremendous job with the guys, with the Definitely. kids up there, man. Those kids are like 17, 18 years old, and they go out there and they fucking kill it. You got a mm-hmm. bunch of little Leo Rushes on your hands, you know, the whole fucking roster. Um, yeah. And honestly, when you when you compare it to like a Wrestle Pro, you know, Wrestle Pro has such a great rep with like being a, the best wrestling school. It's like, eh. Who's coming out of WrestlePro, though? Like like I said, Habib, the car wash guy. Like, is that, I don't need to see that, dude. Right. Yeah. Um, they had posted something uh, just uh, earlier tonight, I think, that was like a contract. And it said, uh, <clears throat> it's been signed. Uh, you know, we brought in a, a lot of big talent in the past, big name talent. And uh, this one is bigger than anyone we've ever brought in. I don't even know who they could be talking about, but they're going to announce it soon, I guess. But I mean, do you have any guesses? I have no fucking idea. But it's got to be bigger than Rey Mysterio because they brought him in before. Yeah, I mean, dude, they've done Matt Riddle. They've done Cody Rhodes, Rey Mysterio, Del Rio. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I don't know, man. The only guy that's been released recently 
is probably Austin Aries, and I don't think Austin Aries is a big. That's not it. No, it's yeah. not bigger than Mysterio. Yeah, you. I, I mean, you could say it, I guess, but it's it's, it's overhyped. Um, you think it's somebody from like Japan, maybe, maybe like doing like a like a Kenny Omega <laughs> coming in or something like that. Mm, I I don't know. Like it's, I still I, I'm still thinking like WWE name type shit because I can't imagine that like you're just gonna call. Any, who are you going to call bigger than Mysterio? Even though I'd say, like, Kenny Omega is fucking awesome. I'm wearing his fucking shirt at the moment. Um, I, I don't I don't know that, like, you'd hear Amazing Red or those guys just calling him better than Mysterio. You know, they, yeah, they put Mysterio on a fucking pedestal. And, you know, rightfully so. But I don't, I don't know that they just go, yeah, biggest ever, Kenny Omega. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be bigger than Mysterio, to be honest with you. I mean, there's there's no way. There's nobody available. Who's available? There's nobody. You know, it's got to be like, I don't, I wouldn't even be surprised if it's like a Teddy Hart or something. You know, like. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, Ryback, I, like. Nah, Ryback wouldn't be bigger. Um, I, I mean, honestly, there's nobody. Plus they, really. they did some other fucking work. Got CM Punk in there for a fucking a gig. That would be bigger. I mean, sure. I mean that would that, dude that would break the internet. That'd be yeah, that'd be monumental. I mean, again, that's probably just gonna be a forever rumored guy who's never on another show again. <laughs> but I mean, dude, if they, if they bring in like a CM Punk, like that would fucking, that would establish House of Glory as a fucking just a top fucking indie, you know? Fucking like Goldberg versus Amazing Red. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> immediately, like, oh, immediately that company is out. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, I don't know, dude. The only one that would make sense bigger than than Mysterio is CM Punk, but I don't think. Where's uh Brian Danielson's uh Daniel Bryan's? Yeah, I don't think contract his contract is over that. yet. I know, yeah. I know, Dolph Ziggler's contract is over this month. That might be something, but he's still not bigger than Mysterio. Hey, not Mysterio. Can, yeah, but I can understand why they would hype it up so much because he's just coming off. But then again, they have that. They typically have that three month no compete um clause. Right. There, so. I don't know how that exactly works, but um, I don't know, dude. I have I a feeling wonder. it's gonna be Austin Aries. Honestly, I have a feeling because Austin yeah, Aries. Yeah, that would just, be a shitty way to pitch it. Yeah, but he he just got his release like through. He's good to go. He can be booked other places. Um, I know House of Hardcore just booked him, but I I, I don't think that's a big enough name to hype it. I mean, Amazing Red versus Austin Aries, like that's that's cool, but yeah. Yeah, and I mean, maybe overseas or something. Maybe they got fucking Muda coming in. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That could. I don't see where the money's coming from, though. I mean, to fly. I don't know where their money ever comes from. Yeah, I honestly, mean... I was going to say the same thing, because I don't understand how GCW's flying people in from all over the fucking place. Um, unless you got, like, money marks. I don't even know if that's still a thing, but... Yeah. If they do, I guess I guess that's a possibility. Because I mean, they paid for Mysterio, they paid for Cody Rhodes. They're not without money. They're not booking on point shows. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no fucking <laughs> clue. Uh, on point should probably get a money mark though. <laughs> yeah, they damn sure should. <laughs> Make something happen. Um, I would suggest them to get. It. But yeah, I don't know, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably Austin Aries is probably my guess. I, I don't see anybody else really. Yeah, and I wouldn't say like CM Punk is just my outright guess, but I'm just thinking bigger than Mysterio. Who the fuck could they? You know, I don't know. I have no idea. It definitely gets my attention, and that's what they were looking to do. So, yeah. I, I, dude, but, I think uh, it's I think it's either Omega or or Aries because even Young Bucks, there. I don't even think that's Rick Rick Flair fresh out of the hospital. <laughs> like that's fucking bigger. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> Terry Funk, he's wrestling again. I don't fucking know. 
Yeah. Can't do much, but we'll see what happens. Um, you got anything else that we didn't hit on? Nah, I think I think that's about it. Yeah, I think that wraps it up. But uh, we'll be back again, I believe, uh, possibly this Sunday. I might I might be at a show. I don't I don't know yet. But on um, Saturday I'll be at CZW, so we'll be back this upcoming weekend, and we'll uh, definitely review CZW. We'll uh, talk about Jersey All Pro since it's happening the following week. We'll kind of uh, preview that. And uh, yeah, there's a ton of shows coming, man. Game Changer, Beyond Wrestling, fucking CZW, and Jersey All Pro. So. I'll be at none of those. Yeah, I'll be at all four of those. <laughs> there you go. You can but, find me at none of those. There you go. You'll, you'll just hear him talk about it. Yeah, uh, I'll talk about it. <laughs> that's about it. All right, well, thank you for listening. Greatly appreciate it. Check out Yakuza Kick Radio. Yeah, I got uh, Nate Hatred on Wednesday. There you go. And uh, I believe we're going to have uh, Ricky O on. Nice. Time. So he's got uh, – I know he's, uh, he's, he's he wants to let loose. So we'll give him the platform and let him talk about whatever the fuck he wants. So, with that said, definitely subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Yakuza Kick Radio, and the Hot 10 Podcast. And uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time.